Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hey, this is Mark Slaughter, and you've got it right here on Talking Metal, your source for all your metal needs. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland. It's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. And we are coming to the conclusion here of our massive coverage of the Rock and Pod Expo. We're going to hear today from Mark Slaughter. It's the, it will be the last bit of audio that we are using from the Rock and Pod Expo, which took place on August 26th in Nashville, Tennessee and and joining me on the line today from talkingmetal.com a guy who writes a lot of articles for us and reviews and stuff and uh, he also has a bunch of his own podcasts including Mars Attacks we have Victor Ruiz Victor how are you Good Mark how are you Good man we missed you in in Nashville I wish you could have been there with us it was a good time 
Yeah, I mean, I really, really, really wanted to go, and it was funny the closer we got to the date and just seeing all the updates and seeing how they were putting together, you know, the end of the night jam and everything, I was really, really, uh, you know, salivating on the other end here, thinking, wow, you know, should I have gone to this? <laughs> you know, it was one of those things. And I kept telling uh, Chris Sinzak, who pretty much put everything together, um, I'm playing the lottery. If I win, I'm... Well, I told them I'd, I'd show up, uh, and I'm going to be politically correct about this. I told them I would show up with a light in a white limousine that had a jacuzzi in the back, and with two little people, a la David Lee Roth in 1984. <laughs> right, um, right, nice. Unfortunately, well, I did win the lottery. Unfortunately, I only won the equivalent of 10 U.S. dollars in the lottery. So, right, uh, I'm not running too many limos or. or, or or getting plane tickets with that, so. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I um, hear you. Well, hope, hopefully next year, I mean, we should get a GoFundMe page going strictly for, for your airfare and, and hotel and, and get you over. That's assuming that this uh, expo happens next year. And, you know, being that this is the last of, like, uh, I mean, including all the other non-talking metal and talking rock episodes I, I uh, recorded, it's got to be, like, the, the 12th, episode um wow. from with 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 me from the rock and pod expo and uh, i just wanted to yes especially once again thank chris sinzak and bj and christine and everyone who who helped organize this i know chris did a lot of the heavy lifting and he he did a a great job uh and all the people i met i just got in the mail julian uh, julian gill's book the the odyssey book and Ken Mills and, and all the Kiss guys, the so I mean so many people I, I met at this at this thing. It was just a, a great great hang and, and a lot of fun. Michael Butler was there, Joey Haney, um, Nola Haney. I mean the list just goes on and on and on. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a, a, a real uh, good meeting and uh you know a lot of introduction because I, I you know I, I kind of i've heard of julian gill i didn't really know ken ken mills at all but now i feel like i'm more tuned in to to what they're doing and uh, it was it was really a good summit if you will so what kind of you, you know victor you're really tapped into all the other podcasts and stuff what kind of feedback are you hearing from people across the board about the rock and pod expo it's it's all been uh pretty positive um, I've been posting uh, everything that I've come across uh, on Earpeeler, and for I mean, for the most part, I know that there are a few podcasts out there that I still need to add to my feed there. But um, for the most part, I've got I've got pretty much every show covered, and as they release episodes, I'm uploading them, and I'm actually listening to a lot of the episodes, and everyone has been very positive about the whole experience about everyone who worked on it. I mean, everyone that you mentioned uh, between Chris and BJ and Christine and just wanting to, you know, do another one of these next year. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case and hopefully this becomes uh, an, an annual event. I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, I think there, there were definitely great strides made this year and like everything else, it's the first time that this goes that this takes place and you just learn from what worked, what didn't work and hopefully move forward. And next year's will be uh, bigger and better. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was, not to focus on negative, but there was a little kind of scandal, I guess, with with Michael Butler. Um, I know when he showed up, he didn't have his table, wasn't wasn't there. And I think it kind of like set him off a little bit. And luckily he didn't leave. I know Chris was telling him not to leave. He almost left the expo when when he first showed up there. He did show up way late. I mean, I was there at 830 setting up. Um, Right. You know, and he he showed up at like ten ten thirty or something, and uh, his his table I guess had been taken or something, and so they had to set him up kind of in the corner at his own table, which I actually thought was a good location because he kind of had his own thing going on over there. And um, you know, I I I I do think in Michael's defense that there are some people at the uh, at the expo who've listened to some of his podcasts. Uh, and and maybe have felt that they there were you know negative comments uh, and I've listened to most of them and I, I I you know I gotta tell you as a listener of Michael Butler in in his defense that's just kind of his thing you know he's kind of like you know he's got that negative vibe that's it's not it's he's not somebody who gushes over stuff and and part of the appeal of his show is you know he he does kind of have that negative Howard Stern Larry David thing going on at, at times which which I find entertaining and you know if he he busted a little bit on the on the podcasters here and there. I mean, that's just kind of what he does. And I mean, I I don't think anybody should be too offended by, by what he said. Um, you know, the, the, if there were issues with him and the, the people who organized the event in person, that's a whole nother subject, but anybody who listened to Michael's shows, uh, Michael Butler's shows, I, I think, I think the shows were really, um, just done in the typical typical Michael Butler style. Did you hear any of of his shows that he did from the the expo? Yeah, I've I heard the one that you were on, and I heard one before that, if I'm not mistaken, where he um. I I apologize. I can't recall who he he spoke to. I mean, I I really enjoyed hearing him talk to you and and hearing him talk to uh to John and putting John on the spot. I thought was uh was interesting more than anything i like yeah. hearing john talk about um like how ace recorded and everything because i mean i could i'm hearing what he's saying and i could get where john was coming from because you hear all these stories about ace or about anyone who's you know famous um and if there's any sort of urban legend behind them or whatever once you get in the studio you get into that environment I can totally get what John was talking about once you finally see what, what Ace is like, how hands-on he is. Because the way he's painted by you know, Gene or Paul or anyone else is that he's you know, uh, very aloof or whatever. And you wouldn't think that he would be so hands-on. But obviously, you know, from what John was saying and everything, he really gets in there and really gets down to work. So um, it was cool to hear that. Um, it was also cool to, uh, again, sort of hear John out of his element. So, yeah, um, yeah. Getting questioned about the guy getting thrown off the bus. I thought that was, that was classic Michael Butler. (laughs) And, you know, I had somebody emailed me a couple people actually, they're like, Oh, I heard you on Michael Butler's show. It was just, you know, he, he was a little, it was a little on the negative side. I think two different people said that. And I said to both of them, I said, well, did have you ever listened to his show ever before? And both of them said, no. So I, I do think we got 
got to cut Michael Butler a little slack, um, at least as far as the episodes go. You know, I, I don't know what the dealings with him in uh, in person all involved. I witnessed a little bit of it, but I, I, I thought I thought once once he got his table and everything was taken care of, and and after that, I thought I thought he was great and a great part of the event. And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to stick up for him a little bit because I do feel like he was getting he was getting, uh, sh- you know, shat on a, a little bit, if you will. Yeah, I, I know, um, for example, a bunch of different podcasts have also talked about the uh, rock and metal combat podcast with them being a little loud and and whatnot yeah and they and... they were they were a little loud we tried to tried to record an episode while those guys were on stage and it it's a bit of a train wreck because they are so loud um yeah but listen they 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 are um you know they got that's their shtick and i'm i wasn't yeah. real familiar with their show but mm-hmm. listen i they they do that show and that that's their vibe and I'm going to hopefully listen to some of their shows now that I met them in, in person and they're, they seemed like decent, cool guys. And I think there were, I heard num- numerous people say, what are these guys doing yelling on stage? And they were, there were one or two people who I encountered who seemed uh, annoyed by, by their whole thing that was going on when they had the, the main stage. Um, and that, listen, different shows, for different people, different strokes for different folks. Uh, I, I respect everybody who is there, and I just think it was a, a a great time had by all, or by most at least. And I can't wait for this to happen again. And I want you to be there next year. We got to get you there. I <laughs> I really love to go, man. I'm I'm hoping, and I'm trying to plan it out. If if we can. Um... If if we can get a a solid date in place once that happens, then you know hopefully uh, if it revolves somewhere around next summer, I'm I'm gonna do everything that I can to make sure to get out there. So we 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 shall see. Cool. I tell you what, let's get into some music right now, and uh, then we're gonna come back and chat a little more, and then we'll get into the live interview, Emily. John and myself did with uh, with Mark Slaughter at the Rock and Pod Expo. So right now, this is live Ozzy Osbourne. This is going back to you remember back in the day. There wasn't a lot of Randy Rhodes stuff we could get back in the day when we were kids. There was Diary, there was Blizzard, and, and you know before Tribute came out, that was about it. Except for the Picture Disc EP, if you remember that, uh, it had three songs on it. And this is one of those songs. This is live Ozzy Osbourne with Randy Rhodes off the Picture Disc EP which was a live little nugget back in the day. This is called You Said It All.
little Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes here on Talking Metal. We are with Victor Ruiz of the Mars Attacks podcast. And Victor, you're doing some great reviews for TalkingMetal.com. Thank you for those. Man, Quiet Riot, you really uh, don't like that record. <laughs> I'm a huge Quiet Riot fan. Yeah, I know. I read the review, yeah. It, and I mean, I can talk to anyone about, you know, albums like Down to the Bone, albums like Guilty Pleasures, Terrified, uh, all the way back to, uh, you know, when people start to bash Condition Critical. They're, I love Condition Critical. Uh, it's just after the uh, Guilty Pleasures album, something just, just happened. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to bash Frankie because I've defended Frankie a lot. You know, I, I think with a lot of people have said, you know, oh, it's just a cash grab. And, and when I got to talk to Frankie, he said, look, you know, Kevin's mom gave us his blessing. She didn't want Kevin's music to die. So I get that. And also, you know, Frankie, okay. Yes. Could he work? Could he go out with Wasp? Could he go out with other bands or put his own thing together? Yes. But it's not going to be as big as what he can do under Quiet Riot. It goes back to the whole thing where we've talked about band versus brand. And, you know, what, what do you guys want? You want him to become, you know, like uh, Kix's guitarist where he uh, hangs the signs on the side of the road uh, or he becomes a painter. You know, he's been a professional musician for uh 40 years or something like that so yeah and he's like he's he's not a spring chicken either isn't he like he's like well into his 60s he's not gonna it's not it's not time for a career change at that age you know exactly he's not he's not all of a sudden picking up uh you know computer programming and uh and you know going out and getting some job in, in the it field so uh personally i liked what i saw in the in the live videos with um damn it now i don't remember his name i was listening to you talking to opus and i have adam lambert in my in my head now not not him but uh what's the name of the singer in quiet right now um uh that is uh oh shit put me on i should know that we've had him on the podcast uh (laughs) james durbin right durbin is it yeah i think so okay I th- I think that what I've seen from the live footage of James Durbin, he's been good. He does. There's a good attempt at doing the, um, at singing like Kevin Dubrow, and and I think he pulls it off well. But the the album, I know a lot of people have complained that oh the drums are too loud. The drums sound fine to me. The bass sounds fine to me. The problem for me is that the guitars are buried too deep in the mix, and. I don't know. Is that because, and I don't want to crap on Alex Rossi at all because I think he's a great, he's a great guitarist. He's a good friend of of Talking Metal. He's been on a, a bunch of times, um, but there's just something that was was off on this album, and and I say it with a, a lot of older bands where they need to find a producer that can sit them down and, and guide them in, in the right direction. You know, you look right. at someone like an Andy Sneap, what he's done with Accept, what he's done with Testament, what he did for Megadeth on uh, the one album that he worked with them. I'd love to see, you know, Maiden or Metallica or bands like this get a producer that 
you know, isn't going to isn't going to take their shit and say, "Look, no, that that isn't good. You guys need right. to do this or you guys need to, you know, the the whole thing with Sneep and I've heard a bunch of times where he gets bands and he says, "Okay, look, this worked. This is what made you guys great. What were you listening to when you recorded this? You know, what inspired you?" So he tries to get bands to sort of focus on the sort of the, the the nexus of what made them cool, what made them, you know, what made them put out great material. And I think in in the case of Quiet Riot, having someone like that would have made this album really good. Uh, there's just, yeah, I agree. I mean, a bigger budget you know, too. We're talking, of course, about yeah. Road Rage, the latest Quiet Riot record, which was released on August fourth. And I, I liked the song "Freak Flag" uh, a lot. I thought that was good, but right. I think something happened in the mastering too, because all the highs and lows just seem crushed a it's bit. Way off. It's just yeah. not. There's no. The, the dynamics aren't there. Um, so I, I do think that something happened with the production of this record. And I do, I do think that Freak Flag is a great song. I mean, it, in today's times, I just don't re- see the, the need for, for bands to put out records, I mean, full-length records. Right. I mean, if Quiet Riot would have put that song out alone and really worked hard at getting the production to be just perfect... That would have been, I would have been very impressed. But, uh, you know, yes. I, I really wanted, I don't think I hate the record as much as you, you do. And I think that song brings it up a little bit for me. But yeah, there, there, it could have been a lot better. It could have been a lot better for sure. But Victor's review of Road Rage is up on TalkingMetal.com in the review reviews section. So definitely check that out. A lot of other stuff Victor is writing for us uh, on the site two um and on that note we need to get into this interview with mark slaughter again this is uh, emily striegel john astronomy uh, myself speaking with mark slaughter in front of a live audience at the rock and pod expo big thanks to chris sinzak for sinzak to for setting this interview up i really appreciate it i felt like he rewarded us with some of the best guests of the uh, of the expo we got to again interview mark in front of a live audience having said that the audio isn't the best on this it's not terrible but if if you can't deal with it you can just skip ahead um i i i it, i thought it was going to be like a, a direct out of the of the soundboard but it looks like we have room noise mixed into this i actually recorded it too on my handheld and they're both about the same, so I'm going to go with the audio that Chris sent me over here. And again, just uh, he says a lot of cool stuff. So if you can bear with the room noise, I think you'll uh, you'll get a good interview out of this. And it's I think I'm I'm making it sound worse than it is. Check it out. It's not it's not that bad. Before we get into the interview, let's hear Mark Slaughter doing some Kiss. This is off that Spin the Bottle tribute. Do you remember that, Victor? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had the uh, the hot chick on the on the cover of it. It was uh, "Spin the Bottle" tribute to Kiss. I think Bob Kulik was behind it. This is Cold Gin, and uh, this has. Let me see who's on this with Mark Slaughter, Phil Susan on bass, Steve Riley, uh, Ryan Roxy, Robin Ford on this. So again, this is Cold Gin, the Kiss cover, followed by our interview with Mark Slaughter. Oh yeah! 
Siegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and we are psyched to be here at the Rock and Pod Expo. We have Mark Slaughter here, who we're going to be talking to. I'm joined by co-hosts John Ostronomy and Emily Striegel. Uh, but before we get into the actual podcast here, I just want to say a big shout out to all the people who put this great expo together. Chris Sinzak, thank you, Chris. We're just honored to be here with you. Christine, DJ, everyone who's been helping out and has made this just a great event. Again, thank you so much. And on that note, I'm joined by the co-founder of Talking Metal, John Astronomy. This guy is Ace Frehley's main man. Co-wrote Give Me a Feeling, wrote Ace's book with him, and I'm so psyched he's here with me. We founded this podcast 12 years ago this month, back in 2005. Emily Striegel is also here with me. She's been a big part of the show, doing some great interviews recently. And uh, thanks to both of them for being a part of Talking Metal. And well, thank you, Mark. Mark came to me in 2005 with an idea to do a podcast. And at that point, no one really even knew what, what a podcast was. We knew about the Rock and Roll Geek Show with Michael Butler, and we thought that was so cool and we decided to try to do something similar. Now, I knew how to write an RSS feed, and, and, and the rest is history. We went on to do a, a great show on the Fuse Network, and then uh, after that, we did some stuff with MTV2 and Headbangers Banger, Ball, and uh, it's just been great. We, we really enjoyed doing this. Mark uh, has stuck with the television industry, and uh, he's an Emmy-winning, uh, award-winning uh, producer who's worked with the Sci-Fi Channel, IFC, USA Network. You, you can, you, I guarantee you, you've seen some of his stuff. So we are really psyched to be here, and we're psyched to be here today with one of my favorite singers and musicians uh, for many, many years, uh, Mark Slaughter. Mark, it's great to be reconnecting with you again, and uh, it's great to be hearing new music from you again. I mean, you've been on a roll these past couple of years. You're yes, back with it's stuff. Yeah, you're back with another great record, and it's called Halfway There. And there is just some great tunes on this record that we're going to be hearing some of them in a, in a little bit. Oh, awesome! But um, why? Why this? Uh, you know, after a long time, you didn't you didn't give us new music for a very long time, and now in the past two years, two full length records, solo records. Is, is, are you at a different place in your life now where you're just creating more music? I think that there's there's several reasons for that. Number one, I've been saying to Dana, let's do a record, let's do a record, let's do a record. And he's so busy with Vince Neil, along with the rest of my band, and it's like one of those things that I said, well, look, I just, I've, I've got to do something here. Right. So I started, I was doing a lot of writing, doing a lot of, you know, writing a lot of songs, and I thought, wow, I've got, you know, half a record here of songs that I think that we work on the record. That was in Reflections, my first record. And then, and uh, and then you know, I just I put that together. Uh, Michael Wagner mixed it, who's here today. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, it was really just one of those things of just kind of getting all the forces of the people that I know and networking back into it. I think it's just the, the, the key point is, is an artist makes art. And, and you know, a lot of us are always waiting for that big money grab just trying to do it and you realize that if, if you're going to be an artist, it's not about grabbing money, it's about making music. Right. And it's a love of doing music from the very beginning and I think that's really where I, I, I came to with this is to say, you know what, I'm going to make a record that ships cardboard because it's the love of making the songs 
And I think the second record is probably better because I got a little bit more handle, a little bit more direction, but um, the first record has a lot of heart. There's a lot of uh, uh, depth to it, for sure. Absolutely. And I mean, the thing that just blows me away on these records is we all know you're a great singer, great songwriter, but you're guitar playing. It's oh, it's, 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 it's so, so great. I'm, have you always been such uh, an accomplished guitar player? Uh, I think that, you know, I used to be a guitar teacher before Vinnie Vincent. Okay. But, you know, when I joined Vinnie Vincent, it was like, you don't want to be a singer and be, you know, play for, you know, thousands of people, you know, for Iron Maiden and Alice Cooper, or do you want to be a guitar player teaching guitar? I was like, well, you know. <laughs> It goes in the stand, and there I go. You know, I'm off running around with a microphone, nothing to do with my hands. It was a really weird transition for me as as a you know guitar player singer, but uh, inevitably I think it was a really good thing because when I did come back to guitar and songwriting, I had a much different look and, and way about it as opposed to trying to be a guitar hero. Right, and you were playing a lot of guitar on, on those early Slaughter records. The early Slaughter records, I did all the clean guitar, all the slide guitar, and I wrote, you know, that stuff with Dana. We wrote those records in about two and a half weeks, basically. Right. And then we demoed it up and then uh, just threw it out there. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy when we look back on it to think that, you know, it just came out that quick, but songs are songs and it comes from the heart, it comes from the story of your life or objectively looking at other people's lives and making it, you know, telling the story, you know, storyteller. Mark, now when you go into the studio uh, on the last two records and you're playing everything except for drums, do you and the drummer go rehearse these songs first or do you start out in the studio? I do uh, I do a thing called S programming with a with a program called Easy Drummer and also Superior Drummer and I actually map out all the drum parts. Wow. So then I actually have the drums done and then I give it to drummers and they're usually like, dude, these are great parts. Why do you want me to do this? Because I still want the feel and the push and the pull of what a drummer will do. Right. And that's very important for me because the imperfections are what makes it perfect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's that's really what I strive for. Again, when you play things to a click, you know, like, you know, even Bobby Rock, who, who's done some solo shows with us, he plays to a click live. And he's, but he's still on it. And there's a little push and pull and you know movement. yeah when you get into the courses he's on the front of it and then, then he kind of pulls back in the verses but that's a natural course of where songs and how music climaxes right i, I when i when listening to some of the uh, tracks from the new record i was wondering just that because these songs aren't the kind of songs where you can just pick up a, a, a random drummer and just say play along with it. There's a lot of starts and stops, and this this is really interesting to hear about this program. I yeah. actually didn't hear it. Yeah, this this program there's there's uh, there's a, it's pretty crazy because it's all based off MIDI, and I've become like this complete nerd geek. And you know when I'm back home with computers and stuff and guitars around surrounding me, I'm just like I, I feel like I live in the guitar center. I get guitars everywhere. Like, <laughs> My computer's here, and I have a big, giant, fifty-inch monitor that I use for my for my uh, tracking. But I think that's the thing: is I just immerse myself in it, and I live out in a farm in the middle of nowhere. So it's basically I, I'm either going to make music, or else I'm going to be poking around on the farm. So you know, it's like it makes more sense to do that. Now, is it just you in there for the first? You know, when you said you had all the drums recorded, is it you? 
in just a computer, or is it you and another engineer? No, I, I engineered. I, I, I recorded it all. Um, on the first record, Michael recorded uh, some of the vocals. We did some of it over his studio. He has an amazing studio. We did some stuff there, but for the most part, I do most of the recording just at my house. Wow, Mark, that's amazing. Yeah. That I mean, you're bringing engineering into this too. Yeah. You've got to learn not only traditional engineering, but working this the mini stuff, the you know, yeah, it's, it's weird because it's hard to keep up on it because it just, you know, just when you have something conquered, they come out with a, and here's, you know, Cubase 9 when you were at Cubase 7 before, you know. But you really find things, it's really about having the end result done and, and not really keeping up necessarily with the software, but just making sure that you can get your job done instead of chasing the new, what have they changed in the program. So it's about uh, you know the efficiency of the set. So, uh, but as far as the the early records, you know, Dana and I were the only I think we're the only artists from our genre that wrote and produced and still perform our music to this day because we we recorded all that stuff. You know, we did it all in a closet. I mean, it was like you know pretty much about the size of this stage was wow. the studio. Man. And Is that Vegas? No, we did it in Burbank. We did it in Burbank at a place called the Red Zone, and we also did it the drums at a place called Pasha for four days, where they did the quiet riot drums. Dana knew that room, so we knew that the drums sounded great sound there. Yeah. And so, you know, that's. But again, you know, we've always been in touch with the recording process and producing it ourselves. And you know, I, I was doing records before I met Dana, and you know, obviously, I learned a lot from him as well. Excellent. Yeah. So, so Mark, this new album came up on Dave, came out on Dave Ellison's yes. label. How do you know Dave? I met Dave, uh, let's see, it would be 1987 uh, in Hollywood. I met him and he, you know, we just started talking shop. And it was really strange because when Megadeth was, was on, you know, Vinnie Vincent toured with Iron Maiden and Alice Cooper, well, what I realized that we, as, as we started to talk that we were on the same tours except for when I was with Iron Maiden, he was with Alice Cooper. When I was with Alice Cooper, they were with Iron Maiden. So, you know, we basically just never played together. And, uh, you know, it, it comes from the metal side, but he's a really good guy. And, and I think that it really comes down to, in this industry, is working with people you know and are decent people. And that's have you tried his coffee yet? Of course we have. <laughs> yeah, I think Leanne had some this morning. So yeah. yeah. And there's been rumors. I was uh, talking to Oni Logan from uh, Lynch Mob right. the other day, and I said, "You guys going to do any touring?" And he said, "Well, we're talking maybe about doing something with Slaughter and Vince Neil." And yes. he's been confirmed. Any uh, anything you can add to that? Or as far as touring with uh, Oni? Uh, with Lynch Mob. Uh, well, we've done a lot of shows with Lynch Mob, and you know, George is he, he's, he's a great guy. So is Oni. I mean, we've known these guys a lifetime. And uh, I think that's that's a key. Right. And I think it really what it boils down to is people that you get along with and that you, that you appreciate their talent, and at the same time as everybody's there to make the show work as opposed to the egos. And right. you know, these guys, everybody here is, you know, we've done it. You know, nobody's not like a. Uh, talent contest. Everybody just goes out and does their set and has a good time. And you know, it's like old old home week. Like going back to high school, you see all your buddies. You know. So we could expect some upcoming dates. Yeah, from you yeah, and absolutely. Lynch Mob and Lynch 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 absolutely. Okay, cool. All my guys would have to do the double duty because they're our biggest <laughs> yes, fans. Yeah. So it would be like, you know, maybe 
uh, Lynch Mob, Us, another band, and then you know these guys have to shower off and change their shirt, you know, so they're gonna go back and do a Vince show. You know, you, you mentioned your your partner for so long, Dana Strum. One one thing we noticed, you know, we do podcasts, we were up on heavy metal and hard rock blogs. Dana is very quiet. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's and not into the social media side of it much. Is uh, so, is, but even just straight up interviews, it's very rare that we get an interview from him. Is, is he's usually talking. He's always talking business on the other side of it. I think he's just really not a person who's driven right. to just like, well, back in the day. I mean, you know, if you get him, if you get him in the right spot, and you know, yeah. the glass of wine, he'll tell you all kinds of stories. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, but I mean, he, he and he has some great stories. I can tell you every one of them. You know, right, right. We like to hear them. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark, you have a bunch of Slaughter stuff coming up, and then you also have some solo shows mixed in there. For right now, all the way to 2018, you're already right. Yeah, we're we are booked in in 2018. We actually just got the Wisconsin State Fair. It's funny because, like, you know, yesterday was it two days ago. Dana calls up and says, "Hey, man, we're playing the Wisconsin State Fair. We're headlining." You know, it's like wow. You know, it's just like. This is where we've gone. We're playing casinos and fairs. It's just a totally different thing, but it's the entertainment. It's where things are. Well, and I think it's ever changing. You know. I think the casino uh, gigs are amazing, and I know that from working with Ace and, yeah. and the the fairs are great. Do you do you have an agent who handles that, or do you and Nate do all that? Music? We have an agent, but you know, some people approach us, and then we'll talk to the agent. I still think it's important to do shows with an agent. That way, it's bonded, and everybody is protected, meaning the right. buyer and the band. Yep. It's just a, a matter of contractual obligation that, that sees through in a good way. You know? mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you, I I love the fact that uh, these type of venues. Uh, are giving uh, rock and roll uh, a chance and are really making it worthwhile for artists like yourself and artists like Ace and, and Vince Neil to do gigs again. It's great for the fans. Too. It's great. We're playing the Mohegan Sun, and I mean, we played over the Wolf Den a million times, which is like the smaller venue. They have the, like, That's the a fun venue. Yeah. I like that. Well, they, they just called us up uh, pretty much about a month ago and they said, hey, we want you guys to play. Uh, a thing for our players club, so they're they're actually making their arena. It's going to be autographed Vixen and us, nice. and we're headlining. And it's just like you know, they're just giving us their arena to, to put on a big rock show. So that's great. So that's pretty cool. You know, when they're when they're calling you up and saying, you know, here take the take our arena, please. You know. Okay. Excellent. Why don't you travel back uh, in time a bit? And uh, I was talking to uh, a Slaughter fan, Joey Haney, of the Rock Strikes 10 podcast here earlier today. And he, he was talking about the Stick It To You record with me. And he mentioned something that we were both wondering about. That record came out, and then shortly after, you guys put out a live EP. Yes. A Stick It Live EP, which. It was less than a year. Less than six months. Yeah, six yeah. months. It was. I mean, that was kind of uh, a, a odd move. It was. Why, why did you put out a live record? Well, it was one of those things because a lot of the, uh, especially in England and some other play, places in the world, they said, "Well, look, Mark and Dana are very smart in the studio. They're, a, you know, it's not a real band." These guys are just very savvy in the studio. They can't play. Like it became that whole thing. We we're like, oh really? Yeah. So then we just we threw it out there just to basically knock down a couple of the no, you know, right? The naysayers. Yeah, naysayers yeah. and said, look, 
you know, no, we are a band, and right. we do love doing this, and here's here's the crowds to prove that. Right. right. So that's why we did it, is just to throw it out there. Yeah, it was great. It had the alternate kind of album cover. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who was that girl, the, by the way? I was that was Lori Carr. The crazy thing is, is because we recorded it live, our recording costs were less it were less than the artwork for the record. It cost more to have Len Wexler and Hugh Sondor reassemble another version of that record than it was to record it and you know to record it. Yeah. So it's just pretty crazy. I have a signed copy. I have a signed cassette. Oh, Dude, we're going to a tiny little uh, it was a guitar store about the size of this stage probably in Decatur, Indiana. Yeah. My dad drove me. You don't remember. Do I you? Do. No, you don't. I was there. Okay, can I scan the picture? Can we yeah. send in the yeah. picture? You're going to die. Is it oh, biggest, like, when everyone goes through the awkward phase in their life where their hair is this big and my face was this small and I, my teeth were all over the place. Uh -huh. And you were so nice to me. Uh, you signed my cassette and I have a picture and I'm going to send it to you. That's funny. It's funny, you know, it's, it, you know, we used to go to certain parts of, of, of the world, you know, people would have their hair. You know, every, look, I have my hair teased up in many events and we had Dina's girlfriend at the time was a hairdresser, so we had kind of learned, okay, this is how you make it eight feet high. So, so we got our hair up like that, but what we really start to see is that some girls that do their hair up and they just have the front. It would just be the front side, and then yeah. it would just be the, yeah, everything else would be flat. The front would be like this. It turns sideways. Yeah, because that's what they're looking at in the mirror, you know. Dana was wearing he was wearing a belt that looked like a wrestler belt. Do you remember this belt? Yes, the silver belt. The silver I belt. Was he wearing his pink pants? He actually picked me up. He yeah. picked, I have a picture of him picking me up. But you guys obviously, I was about this big, or like twelve years old. So. Was he wearing his pink pants or the was it with the gold? I I think it was with the gold. There you go. See, I can pick out his wardrobe. It's really easy. Mark, is it one of two? Mark, was it your pants, the ones that had lips? That was my pants. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine who who had some had some artwork done on it, and it was back way back actually before I even did the some of the Vinny stuff. It was just some crazy stuff, and it might be on the Rose Parade. The whole thing was is just. We did it in front of Stripe where we were wearing all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> hey, Mark, we are here, and most of us here today are, are podcasters as a, a form of, of you know, radio or media that we, that we love and really believe in. Just curious, do you listen to podcasts? I do. What podcasts do you like to listen to? Well, I, I listen to... Besides all of ours. I mean, yeah. I, I, I listen, obviously, the Decimal Geek, I, I listen to some of the local, and I listen to um, Eddie's, you know. Right. Cool. Um, you know, I, I, I just really, just like everybody else, I just try to find things that, that I'm, you know, interested in. Right. Or artists that I'm try to catch up on to see what they're up to. You know, because again, we don't, as a, even as an artist, we really don't get a chance to know exactly what our peers are doing. Yeah. As you guys are kind of telling us, because radio's not telling us. Right. You know? Does it frustrate you as somebody who's putting out new, relevant, great music that, you know, I mean, serious radio is great, but it, it, it's, it's, it's rare that you get a new song on yeah, Ozzy's Boneyard yeah. or, yeah. or Hair Nation. They rarely play. I mean, maybe Eddie Trunk will spin one of your new songs. Yeah, and, you know, that's about it. But, but otherwise, it's like just the same, the same old stuff. Yeah. Well, again, it's 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 the same problem that we face with regular terrestrial radio. Is is that 
you know, people, they, they kind of do it out calling research. Do you like this song? Do you like this band? Do you like this song? Do you like this band? And they really just try to, they, they try to box the market of what it is that listeners want. And I think it's the downfall of, of, of all radio, including satellite radio. But at least in satellite radio, you can go to deep tracks and some of the other channels. Right. It'll take you on their earlier step, but as far as new music, there's really not a channel that says new music or new rock. You know, there's new country, there's new every, everything else, but rock is just either your classic or oldies, that's it. Alex Cooper, his show, he always does a lot of new stuff. Have yeah. You that? He does, yeah, he's, he's, good. Played, he's played my track a couple times. Has he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as well as D, I guess we're going to do the House of Hope thing as well. Yeah. Mark, I was talking to a good friend of mine who was also a friend of yours, Chad Lee, and he was telling me all about Nashville, and I wanted to ask you, what brought you to Nashville, and are you surprised that there are so many people from the rock and metal world who are now moving down to Nashville? I moved here about 21 years ago. And uh, I just thought it was a really good way of life and a place to raise my kids, first and foremost, as well as I didn't want to live in L.A. and I didn't want to live in New York because of the cost of it, which just to me made no sense. And here I just thought, well, I could at least be a part of the music industry. Right. So I moved out here and, uh, and I think it was a good move. I, I, I wrote with some really good songwriters and I think it actually helped me as a songwriter to write better songs. So in that side of it's been great. Again I, I you know Michael moved out here, Michael Wagner moved here pretty much around the same time. So, you know, we just keep crossing paths and doing stuff and and uh, you know I, I never worked with Michael before because I was producing my own records. Right. But to work with him has just been fantastic because you know he's legendary in that side of it. Now, is being in Nashville also helping you with some of the, the non-rock and roll stuff you're doing, like some of the voiceover work and some of the scoring or film scoring type stuff? Really, and you know, most of that is outsourcing the, the, the you know, I had a shot of doing, you know, for instance, Donald Duck and, and, and doing that for Disney, but I... Donald Duck, wait, rewind. Yeah, they, well, it was we one do, of the... They asked me to, to go out and do an audition, and before when I did the audition, I was number two to do Donald Duck. Oh my God! But my friend, my friend called me up and he goes, "Look, dude, you can take this if you want it." And I'm like, "I don't want to live in LA. I don't want to live in Burbank." It was kind of like I, I, I kind of spreadsheeted it out and realized that the cost of living out in Los Angeles. And being on the 101 and dealing with the traffic and car jacked and you know, everything just cost me a zillion dollars. I said, there's no way this makes sense. But you've got a studio, you can... They, you Disney's, really? very, Disney's very... Wow. They, they want you to do it. Okay, no, we need you to jump up here. You know, they're very... Oh, they, they want, the yeah, thing. They, they really want... They have a director and you can't really just knock out a voice because I'll say that's not... Can you okay. do it for us? Who wants okay. to hear it? I do. Does the uh, CC Deville voice, is that you? Listen, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yes. I love, I, love it. I love it. Oh my God. He sounds so good. <laughs> I think we did one on any, any drunk hunts and it was, it was amazing. 
Well, I wanted to mention, I forgot this guy's really quick. Mark also worked on that metal show, which is a, a, a great show that we all love as well. So. Yeah. Mark, Mark, this Mark. Yeah, Mark, yeah. <laughs> I just appeared on it once, that's what I did. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, speaking of animals, uh, you have an absolutely gorgeous, handsome dog. I'm not sure if it's a male or a female. Yeah. And on Instagram, those are some amazing pictures. What, what kind of dog is it? It's a great Pyrenees. Wow. His name's Junior. I used to have a Pyrenees before that. His name was Bubba. And he was huge, huge yeah. dog. But I just kind of fell in love with their breed. They're just a really, they're a gentle giant. And, you know, they're, they're a sweetheart of a dog. Cool. Well, I tell you what, before we wrap things up, is there anybody in the audience that has any questions for Mark that we could, uh, we could get before we uh, let Mark go? Any questions? No? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hey, what's up? Come on up. This is my buddy. Bob Jarrett? Hey. Really? Hey. How you doing? Hey, Mark, I want to bring up something. You did a uh, video with a friend of mine, a friend of ours, Adam Reaver from Sure. And it was... Uh, I, no, it was really much to your heart. You, uh, Adam, uh, a lot of people don't know, works with a lot of locking trims. He's Eddie Van Halen's guy, developed the D-Tuna. Uh, you were given a guitar, yeah. and you had Adam work on it. I had Adam. Tell, tell that story, which is amazing, well, and the video is on F.U. Tone. It's uh, kind of this really strange thing of events. Um, there's a gentleman named Rodney Hardison out of Oregon. He's a, a guitar player, and he contacted me through Facebook. He said, listen, I've got Tim's guitar. I'd love to bring it to the show. And I go, yeah, yeah, okay, bring it. And I didn't really think it was one of Tim's guitars. He brought it to the show, and he brought it backstage, and he opened up the case, and I just looked at it, and literally, I just, you know, teared up. And he goes, wow. He goes, he goes it's Tim's, right? And I go, yeah, it's Tim's. And he goes, well, it's coming home. And I was just like, wow. So so uh, he brought that guitar back to me because I was never able to get one of Tim's guitars. And it was just kind of like after he passed, all the guitars just kind of went away. And and uh, when I got his guitars, you know, Tim and I were gearheads. We always talked about how do you improve, how do you make it better, how do you make it better. And then I had met Adam actually at... Uh, that, that metal yeah, show. He, he was always at our table. Yeah, he was always yeah, there. He a great guy, yeah. And, uh, and he said, listen, if you have a trim, you need something done, give me a shout. So then I called up Adam and I go, hey man, listen, I got Tim's guitar and I'd love to upgrade the treble. We're playing in uh, New Jersey in like two months, you know, and he goes, perfect, I'll be there. I'll pick you up, we'll go over to the shop, we'll upgrade it, we'll do a quick video, and then we'll drop you off at the show. And I'm like, great. So, come to find out, we get over to Adam's place, and I go, where are we at? And he goes, well, we're like the Trenton, you know, Yardley area, and I go, my God, I see Tim's buried like, a, a, like right around here. So then we went over, we fixed up the guitar, and then we went over to Tim's grave, and it was just, it just by happenstance, and it happened to be there. So we did a video of this whole thing upgrading his guitar, and then we went over to his grave, and it was like, you know, very emotional that the guitar had found its way to me. And again, I, I do believe that, you know, spiritually, I think things happen for a reason. It was one of those things that was just amazing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, I think Adam's in New Hope, actually, 
Yardley, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Washington Yardley, area. Okay, yeah. right, right. Um, and we're talking about Adam. He has a great company, Adam Tone. I mean, he's it's just it's just life changing for guitar players if you've got Floyd Roses to this is great. Works. Oh, oh, with, can't use that word. It's locking trap. Locking trap. Yeah. Corrected by him all the time. Okay. Well, the thing is, is you can upgrade whatever you want. Yeah. You got it. He, he can make it happen. He works with Vernon Reed and Warren D. Martini, Eddie Van Halen, and the list goes on. Slash. Slash. Yeah. Great, great guy. Um, cool. Well, we're going to wrap things up, but before we let Mark go, of course, Vinnie Vincent, part of your past, we have to ask yes. you. There's been this news release. A lot of us Kiss fans here are kind of excited. That he is scheduled to appear at a Atlanta. convention, and yes. you know, you know yes, in Atlanta. What, what what are the odds he's actually going to show up? Well, it just depends. If he gets all the money up front, right. he won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's uh, partial payment, then he'll probably go for the back end. So right. you know, if it's, if he's paid up in front, then I don't know if he will. Right. But uh, you know, I've, I've, we've seen that over with some of the things he's done in the past, but. You know, it'd be nice for him to show his face. It'd be nice for him to start making music. And again, there's plenty of room for us all in this industry. There's plenty of room to make great songs and put them out there. So hopefully, he'll get back on the wagon and do it. Yeah, that would be great. It's been, I mean, literally 20 some years probably since you've heard from him, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it was. It was. I left Vinnie Vincent in '88. Yeah, and that so was it. I walked off the stage, and that was it. I think he recorded for Enigma. He did a record, and then he. He thought it was shit, and then basically he recorded over the whole thing and never even let anybody hear it. Wow. He decided in the studio he didn't like it and just erased everything. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And on that note, Mark Slaughter has a brand new record, or fairly new record. We're halfway there. It's great stuff, guys. If you haven't heard that record or the album before, Mark's two uh, recent solo records, he is on a roll with new music and some Great singing, songwriting, fantastic guitar playing. You play bass on it too, yeah. or yeah, yeah bass, everything. Yeah, everything but the drums. Yeah, so Everyone great check stuff. It out. And Mark, thanks for being a part of Thank the Rock and Pod. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mark, Slaughter, you're listening to talking about. Okay, three, two. Hey, this is Mark Slaughter, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
That was Hey You by Mark Slaughter off the Halfway There record. And big thanks to Mark Slaughter for coming on Talking Metal, doing that live interview with us. And Emily did uh, get me the pictures she mentioned to Mark there of, of her at, at the Slaughter Inn store way back in like probably like 1990 or something at the uh, Decatur, Indiana Slaughter Inn store. And, and Mark replied he got a kick out of those out of those pictures. So we did get those to him and I would post them in the show notes, but I think uh, Emily might be horrified if I did that because it's kind of that awkward phase for her where she's like 11 or 12 years old, you know, not quite a teenager, but um, maybe we'll sneak one in. Uh, Anyways, again, pick up Mark's new record halfway there. Great stuff. Thanks to Chris Sinzak for, for setting that up. Chris really hooked us up with some great interviews at the rock and pod expo. Awesome, awesome time. Uh, we're going to have Julian Gill coming up on a future episode or two, possibly. J- Julian Gill, who I met at the, the Rock and Pod Expo. He's a great author. You read any of his books, um, Victor? Unfortunately, I have not. I I think I am the uh, world's slowest and worst reader. So it, it, Yeah, it I haven't me. either, but I just ordered... The- I'm looking at the Odyssey book that he wrote, and it's like 600 pages just on the Elder. So, so we're gonna wow. we're gonna dive into that soon. I bought two of his other two other Kiss books from him at the at the expo. John Astronomy brought like 20 books to the expo. He sold all of them throughout the day. Uh, he sold a bunch of ACDs, which he was autographing, and he, you know, as much as sometimes I complain about John not being as big a part of the show as he used to be, he was really helpful at the convention, and I, I think helped way, raise the awareness of of talking metal because he's kind of like his own mini celebrity, you know, having been on TV and and of course the A stuff. So among all these crazy Kiss fans that were at the expo, he he definitely uh, was like a. a D or or F, D E possibly even an F list celebrity, if you will. Um, so it was great to have him there with with Emily and I. And again, we're going to try to get Victor there next year if it if it happens, which I hope it does. Yeah. So we ended up that Mark Slaughter interview talking about Vinnie Vincent Victor. Um, what do you think? You think he's going to show up at this Kiss, Kiss Expo? Man, this is a really it's it's a it's a I think it caught everyone out of left field. It's a strange situation because we know that we know his history of not coming through on things. Um there was a whole thing with t-shirts and guitars and obviously a box set and and I kind of mentioned it to you off air that Cherry Red from, from the UK is releasing his old Warrior demos, which I'm looking at it right now. It says Warrior featuring Vinnie Vincent, Jimmy Waldo, Gary Shea, and Hirsch Gardner. And that's coming out in roughly 10 days from when we're recording this. Uh, it will be interesting to see if if this actually comes out and there are no legal issues with it. And whether ultimately maybe he's promoting this or maybe he's putting out new music. I mean, it's very, very ambiguous as to what he's going to be doing there. I, I would imagine he's going to be there to, to to peddle something, I would I would imagine, you know, wouldn't be just, or, no. or I don't know, maybe it's He's just, making money. He's, he's, he's there because they're paying him like 50 grand to be there. That's my guess. I, yeah. I can't imagine, as you know, I, I 
offered him $2,000 for an interview a few years back and basically was laughed at by his his lawyer. They they thought he deserved, you know, well into the five figures, you know, which I I, I think he was looking to get close to $100,000 to do a fucking interview wow. on a podcast, which is a joke. But, um, yeah. That, that speculation on my part, he definitely wanted five figures. Um, I, I can't imagine he's getting anything less than than forty grand to do this. Um, you know, it's just uh, when you look at what people get for doing these these signings and stuff. I mean, you know, you can book Twisted Sister on their last tour. They, they were get they were getting like you know between depending on whether it was a one-off or a festival date, they were getting 100000 to 200000 a show. Now, granted, that, right. that half of that goes to pay for their, their crew and their expenses and stuff, but still, that's, that's, that's a lot of money. And I would think Vinnie Vincent, yeah. just because of the fact that he hasn't been in the public eye, could, could you know, definitely walk home with, with forty to fifty grand from this, uh, this Atlanta Kiss convention thing that he's going to be doing. That's speculation on my part, but I can't imagine they would get him to show up for anything less than that. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think over the years uh, there have been plenty of people that have tried, and um, I know that um, Cassius Morris had gone back and forth with his lawyer and said something similar. Uh, that he was looking for for five figures, and uh, if I remember that correctly, he was never able to nail down a an exact number. But you, you're probably right; he's probably looking for that. And and I know the thing with Cassius was that if any questions were involved, that he would have to um, pre-approve of all the questions beforehand. So I mean, it, it's kind of crazy because would a at this point in time, I, I mean, I get the whole lore of him being a recluse. This would be his first time that people have seen him in person in close to 20 years, if if I remember correctly. Um, would it cost, I mean, does getting Vinnie Vincent there pull in more of a crowd than getting an ace there, for example? And if you're telling me that that's close to yes. ace numbers, you're probably going to be dealing with less of a headache um yes know, no uh, vinnie vincent or... is going to get more than ace vinnie vincent is going to get more than ace just because he you know he hasn't shown up anywhere so at this first outing he is definitely a bigger draw than ace and let's say ace gets 30 30 grand probably i'm speculating for doing these these signings, you know, a gig, he probably gets more than that. But let's say he gets, let's say he gets twenty five for showing up. Ace does, you know. Vinny's definitely getting thirty to forty for this first time out of the box. The next one, he won't be able to command that much. It depends on how well tickets sell for this. But this is like a one off thing, I think, for Vinny. It's it's got to be just a ton of money, and the promoters have to be sweating this a little bit, I would think, because. You know, they really, I'm sure, need to make their money back. Right. No, I, 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 I would understand that completely. Yeah, I, I mean, I and I understand what you're saying. The, for the first one to be that, you know, the exclusive and the first one to launch it, it's it, it's gonna it's gonna pull and demand a lot more people. 
It'll be interesting to see if after this, if he gets more offers and whether it leads to anything else. Who knows? Maybe he shows up and there's there's an angry mob with, with pitchforks waiting for him uh, asking for a box set. I don't know. There, there, this can go... Uh, yeah, it's not good. I, don't, I think that's... That's been so long ago, though. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think, I mean, how much were the box sets? About a hundred bucks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And what was that? Like, like ten to fifteen years ago? Yeah, maybe even been longer than that. Yeah. No maybe one's still. Been... No one's still pissed off about that. I mean, I know people I've loaned a hundred bucks to, and. Ne- they were supposed to pay me back, and they never did. And af- after five years, you kind of forget about that stuff. So I-, I can't imagine anyone is still miffed about $100 that they lost 20 years ago to a guy who's probably very mentally ill. You know, it's... It- it's. I mean, was there ever like any sort of class action lawsuit filed against him on that? I, I don't, I don't even remember, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine there's going to be anybody there still pissed off about that, you know. But who knows? I might be wrong, you know, but I, I kind of doubt it myself. Um, well, it should be interesting. I love how Blabbermouth, whenever they print a release about it, it's <laughs> they use that mug shot, which is just typical yeah. Blabbermouth. Yeah. <laughs> but would you go if if it were close to your house? If it were if you were doing this in Spain, would you would you show up? And how much would you pay to to see Vinnie Vincent at one of these conventions? Well, back in '96, I paid what was it? I think it was like twelve, fifteen bucks to 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 see him in person. And um, the the, the typical thing happened where you could take a picture with him and. Uh, my girlfriend at the time took a picture of me shaking Vinny's hand and he signed my ticket to get in and whatnot. And I was the only one out of the group who got a picture where um, from the head up was missing. So you saw me, you saw Vinny and you saw, you know, from the neck down, you saw me. You couldn't even tell it was me. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> short guy? But, uh, Is he on the short side? He was sitting down. So oh, okay, he was I, sitting down, right? Yeah. Gotcha. And All and right. then the well, odd mo- thing was, th- the ahead. next year he showed up out of the blue and just was signing the EP that he was pawning the year before. He was he was signing it at a at a booth there at some merchant's booth. He was he, um, Eric Singer was the was the guest that year, and you know the same thing. You you expect him to show up, and you hear all these stories and weird things happen and then all of a sudden out of the blue and you're not expecting him to show up he was there at that expo so go figure right on well we will find out if uh if he shows up i guess when is it it's january right january January in in atlanta so it should be interesting and guys we got our patreon uh page set up so please check that out and consider being a contributor to this podcast. We have our website. Please go leave comments in the comment section on TalkingMetal.com. we got a new website coming soon. Stay tuned for details on that. And we have our PayPal donations. We have our Amazon links. All this is on TalkingMetal.com. So definitely check that out. Support what we do. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I'd appreciate that. That's always helpful. And what else? You can uh, tweet about us uh, and let us let your friends know about Talking Metal. Victor does the ear peeler 
site which uh, tells you about all the podcasts that are out there and, and gives you a little info on, on their content and provides you a place to get all your favorite podcasts in one place. You got uh, Mars Attacks. What what else? You got Fusion Sonica. Is that still happen, happening, Victor? Yeah, I, uh, I relaunched Fusion Sonica as a cool. um, uh, English podcast. It's a half hour, roughly half hour music based show. Uh, usually put it out twice a month. Uh, also do um, No Metal Cred, which is essentially the the same as Fusion Sonica, half hour twice a month, but non hard rock and metal music. Uh, do Galaxy of Geeks, which is me and uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Chris Vaglio, talking about, for example, we just did two hours talking about Game of Thrones with a few other uh, Game of Thrones fans, and we talk all things science fiction and Star Wars and comics and things like that. And then finally, there's um, uh, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast, where we've done a I did an entire series with uh, Richie from Focus on Metal talking about exchanging stories on podcasting nightmares. So there's uh, right. a, a bunch of podcasting nightmares episodes out there. And I talk oh, about I gotta check those social out. media and, and tech stuff and just different things that uh, sort of are, are in the news. So no, no political stuff, just, I don't know, things I found find interesting. Cool. So check all that out. We'll have Victor's stuff linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. This concludes our, our pod and rock expo. Wait, it was the rock and pod. I'm sorry. Rock and pod expo coverage on Talking Metal. And we hope to do it again next year. We hope to have Victor there with us next year. And to take us out, a little Vinnie Vincent and Mark Slaughter off that All Systems Go record. Going back, I'm trying... What year did that come out? I'm trying to... I don't have it in front of me. That had to be late 80s? That's 88? Right. Yeah, yeah I'm I think not it was sure. like 88. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, this is... May 17th, 88. 88, yeah. Okay. Ashes to Ashes, the opening track off the Vinnie Vincent Invasion record featuring Dana Strum, Mark Slaughter, and Vinnie Vincent. Was Bob Rock on the... Bobby Rock playing drums on this? I think yes. so. Not, yeah. Cool. Here we go. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Ashes to Ashes by Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Thanks, Victor. Yeah, no problem at all. <laughs>